Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father, and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. We're the summer of, uh, kind of the summer of everyday people. Everyday people have stories. Um, everyday people, well, last week we talked about every people, everyday people have hope. And today, I'm going to introduce you to my friend Brian Key. Brian was obviously one of the guys that sings up here. And I've asked Brian to share his story this morning. And it's, it's a powerful story because it's his. And there's a lot of similarities maybe to your story, maybe not. But it's his story, therefore it's powerful. And so, Brian, here's a microphone. Do you want to stand here or do you want to yep. just stand in here? All right. So you got 15 minutes to tell us your story, all right? <laughs> yeah, somebody like watch your clock, all right? Give him the sign. Yeah, go ahead. Can we pray, please? Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for the rare opportunity to share this testimony and this story of challenges separation, and ultimately of your favor. Lord, would you be with me and help us all realize that the words that come out of my mouth in the next minutes are only good to the extent that they encourage someone to be a stronger believer or a new believer and point glory to you, Lord. We ask these in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a little bit of trivia here. In the summer of 69, who was president? Nixon. Nixon. You got it, Mikey. I knew it was going to be you. Yeah. Name a musician from popular culture that had hits in 69. All correct so far. Janis Joplin, Rolling Stones, Elvis, Mikey. Eagle. Yeah, that's right. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. These are all bands that millennials are like, huh? What who? I don't recognize those names. Uh, okay, other factoids. The um, the average price of a home in 1969 was $15,000. The average price of a new car in 1969 was $3,200. Yeah, so unbelievable. Gas, 35 cents a gallon. Everybody remember those days? I, I mean, I was a baby, so I don't, I don't remember those days, but I remember, you know, when it was 50 cents a gallon, maybe. Yeah, right? Um, let's see. Beatles performed their last concert that year, and there was a really, really big concert that year, famous for all types of debauchery. What was that? Anybody remember? Woodstock. That's right. Yep. That's right. Um, let's see. The 747 airliner made its debut, and the Concorde was being test-flown. And last but not least, who said... One small step for man, one giant step for mankind. Neil Armstrong. Good job on the trivia. Also that year, there was a young preacher named Terry Key. He had graduated from, uh, I believe, Atlanta Christian College, and he was on the road uh, preaching revivals for actually a Missouri-based ministry, I don't know if anybody will remember, uh, from the Joplin area, Revival Fires and the name Cecil Todd. But he was driving our family car, a 1969, uh, sorry, 1968 Pontiac Bonneville, 
had a uh, 6.6 liter V8 with the first four-speed transmission and a Holley four-barrel carburetor. Arr! Yes. Yeah. That was awesome. That was a great car until my brother ruined it before I ever had a chance to have it inherited. Um, yeah, so that was uh, how I got my start. I was um, uh, born in May of 69 to Terry Key, a preacher, and his wife, Beth, my mom. And they were traveling around. They, they did a drive-by at the Kentucky Baptist Hospital in Louisville. I was born there, and we stayed there a whopping two days before we went on um, uh, while Dad was preaching revivals and, and doing other things. It's a neat... Uh, it's a neat background, and one thing that I thank the Lord for is that despite all the challenges of life and all the um, struggles and bad and honestly dark stuff that happens, um, I count it a total blessing to have been raised in a tradition of faith. And so uh, you could trace backwards from my dad and see that his dad, Paul Key, no coincidence that his name was Paul, but he was also a preacher by trade, um, by, by one of his trades. Another one was that he was a blacksmith, and uh, I tried to do some research, can't really find it. He was a blacksmith and a neon artist, and so um, during war times, he was actually back home. Um, he had come from a line. Uh, his dad uh, was uh, half owner of the Key and Pace Wagon Company, and they were blacksmithing wagon wheels. That's as far back as I think I, I know my uh, immediate family history, so... Pretty neat, but uh, again, I thank uh, God every day that I come from a uh, family that has a Christian heritage. Um, I will say, uh, in my story, when uh, when I was a young kid, we didn't have a home um, because of Dad's job. We lived in an RV, an old Winnebago. It was uh, like pea green with a white top, and I mean, if you saw it now, you'd be like, ugh, but back then, when you're a kid, that's really cool, you know? Um, so, I'll just say, early on, I uh, had what I thought was a great childhood, um, but if you're the son, um, you guys, I'm sure you'll all relate to this, and Brady, you know, I'm not going to overstep my bounds here, but um, being a preacher's kid um, brings some challenges with it. So, for me, that was um, separation from family often. Uh, when I was very young and in certain trips, the, uh, my parents had to go away, or at least dad, and he was often gone on across the country revivals, and we would wave by to him and see him drive off or get in a, very rarely see him get in an airplane and, and fly off. Um, so it was, um, although it was a blessing to be part of that heritage, it was also a challenge to have a family that was constantly in a state of separation. There were, um, while he was away, things that were um, not appropriate going on in my home. And unfortunately, as a very little boy, I encountered some struggles with abuse. And um, for those of you in that situation, I completely relate and understand that those wounds can follow you for a lifetime. But thank God we have a God that understands those type of things. Stephanie, can you, um, while I'm speaking here, look up Isaiah 53, verse 5. And so, um, early on, even before I professed my own faith or came to my own faith, um, I, I just understood there were struggles, yet also seemed to understand at a very young age there was an ultimate hope that those made those struggles seem um, things that you could get past. So, uh, Steph, you proclaim that verse. 
So I heard my dad preaching, by whose stripes and by his stripes you're healed often. And uh, he was a preacher in a fundamental Christian church that was hellfire and brimstone. And, um, you know, so my uh, early childhood and middle sort of childhood age um, was surrounded by that kind of preaching. And the preachers he hung around with and the family situations that we uh, were part of were all more or less hellfire and brimstone. There wasn't a lot of talk about grace at that point in my life. Um, and then, sad to say, um, but all preachers struggle with things. Is that news great? Right? So, um, there are people too, and we have to remember who is the author and finisher of our faith. It is not a preacher. It is Jesus. Right? So, um, there came a time when as a young boy, I found a stash of pornography under my dad's bed. Um, and this is not a dad smearing session. I will tell you the story ends in victory. Um, but uh, the hard path to get there was uh, that dad had a problem with pornography. That bore itself out in problems with family. Ultimately, um, dad was in ministry full time and um, situations with family were compromised. And in the end... Um, of that time of my life, Dad had to walk away from the church because his behavior was not in line with what a pastor's behavior needed to be or a human's behavior. And so, um, as I often reflect on the verse, the wages of sin is death, it was death of a ministry, an effective ministry at that time. Um, that resulted in uh, my parents' divorce. And if you were uh, my age at the time, when you're 10 or 12 years old and your parents divorced, that was more or less unheard of. So, uh, right, so back in the what, late 70s, early 80s, divorce was very rare at the time. And uh, it made you really feel separated from um, sort of the normal, normal beat of life. And um, what was more sad at the time is because of that, um, that church background I was in, um, folks at the church didn't really understand the situation. They knew they had a pastor that had um, been something other than what he represented at the time. And so, um, not only was there family separation at that time, but there was separation from the family of God because not knowing how to deal with that situation, our church folks, um, unfortunately, just kind of left us in the wind. And I... Thank God that now I'm part of a church family here um, and have been part of church families elsewhere that would embrace that situation with love and forgiveness and offer help and hope and friendship to folks that are struggling instead of being afraid and running away from that situation. Thank you. All right. So um, I just got the five-minute warning. I'm going to speed this up really fast. Fast forward to May of 1992. And I ultimately had to find my own faith after uh, quite a time of um, doing everything in the world wrong. Um, because of those past struggles, or at least I was blaming it on my past struggles, I found my way into alcohol, drugs, uh, all types of dumb things that I could do with my money or lack thereof. And in the end, what do all people with absolutely no money, no hope left, um, none of that do, they join the Marine Corps. <laughs> right? So, um, actually, I'll get the order right. It's very important I get the order right. So, in May of 1992, at the end of one road, I said, there's got to be a better way. Lord, save me. And that's when I became a Christian. 
And it didn't take long for that to have its effect because shortly after I left for Marine Corps boot camp, it was literally a uh, situation where I walked into the recruiter's office and said, hey, I need to do something, and left for Paris Island, South Carolina two weeks later. So it was pretty fast and furious. And that is where I learned, with the help of the Lord, um, to walk a better walk and to be a responsible person and to pay debts that I owed and all those things. So that was a fantastic experience. And um, I, I just uh, really would not have made it through um, without having found that faith. So um, there's a turnaround story there. I just really um, am grateful to God to this day because I was not the type of person to join the Marine Corps. I can tell you that. I didn't like to get out of bed. I had never ran a mile in my life. And, uh, you know, all those things. So it was, a, it was quite, a, quite a shock and a good turnaround. Um, so that said, I will um, ask you to walk with me through a few key verses uh, in the Bible that have helped me find strength, and I hope and pray they will help you find strength, encourage you, lead you to faith, uh, strengthen your faith, or to help you endure trials and the normal walks of everyday life. So first, uh, James 1, 2, it's one of my life verses, it says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials, knowing this that the trial of your faith works patience. And when patience has had its work, you will be found perfect and complete and wanting nothing. Healing, James 5.16, another, another bedrock verse in my life. It says, Confess your sins and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And effective, fervent prayer does avail much. I can tell you many stories, I'm out of time, but time and time again in my life, uh, Christians praying for each other has been a, uh, a fantastic thing uh, to get through struggles, to be forgiven, to find healing. Um, another one. Um, in sad times, um, the time's too short to tell you a lot of sad stories, so I'll, I'll spare you that. That Psalm 147 gives a simple promise. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And that has been true in my life for sure. If that's been true in your life, would you raise your hand? Lord, may you continue to heal and bind up our wounds when we're sad. Uh, struggling in our own efforts, who is the author and finisher of our faith? Jesus is, not us. I don't finish my faith. I don't bear the responsibility of finishing my faith. I bear the responsibility to have faith and ask Jesus to be the one that finishes it. Um, Philippians 3.9, not having my own righteousness from the law, but that which is from faith in Christ. Right? It's not our efforts. Um, it, it is not up to us. We don't bear the weight of the world on our shoulders. He did that. Righteousness comes from God. Uh, and last one here, I will, uh, Philippians 3.12. Steph, can you flip that or Jimmy? Well, you got it? Very far when ready, you got it. Philippians 
And um, last one, Second Chronicles 16.9. Let's have a Bible race. First one to get there. Second Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord are on you. The eyes of the Lord are on you because you are here seeking him. You are here committing to him. And it is comforting to know, no matter what your family background, no matter what challenges you have in life, God's eyes are on you. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. And he does what? He encourages and strengthens those that are seeking after him and that are fully committed to him. So... Lord, thank you for this time of testimony. We just give you praise and glory that no matter what we've gone through or going through or will go through, you are with us. Thank you, Lord, that righteousness isn't ours. The weight of trying to be perfect isn't on us. Your son did that for us, and we get our righteousness through him. Thank you, Lord, for these folks that are willing to hear testimony. And, uh, Lord, we just ask that uh, you bless us through the rest of the message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Brian. So welcome, obviously. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we have all kinds of information inside your bulletin. Please take a look at that. We've discovered that it's been so difficult for people to pull off the preparation, the preparation that we've just like taken that step away, and we're just going to hand it to you today, so you can fill it out and drop it in the offering basket as you leave today, along with your offering, if you came prepared to give today, thank you, we do that at the end as you're leaving. A uh, couple things we really want you to know about is Saturday night, right here, 7 o'clock, we are going to have a concert, to, uh, a benefit concert for a family that lost their, their, young, wife, their young wife and mother. Uh, here in this community, so please uh, come if you can, 7 p.m. Randy Venata's brother's band called Hatch, the country music band. They're going to be here just performing, giving up their time so that we can raise money for this family. Come if you will. July 15th, everybody look at me. July 15th, we will not be in this auditorium because they're going to replace all of the lights with LED lights. Super excited about that. So July 15th, instead of coming here, we're going to the park, Flat Ridge Park, and we're going to have potluck. We're going to have some fishing for the kids. There's a playground there. We're just going to have fun. All right? All kinds of information coming about that, just to let you know. And then Bible school, sign up to help. And registration will, will be online soon. So I want to make sure you know about that. So you know at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about these three, three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these things is love. Well, last week we talked about hope. Today we're talking about faith. Because everyday people, everyday people walk by faith. Right? Not by sight, but we walk by faith. You cannot see tomorrow, right? But we walk by faith. We can't even see what's going to happen as we walk out of this place today. We, a few people found out that if you don't show up on time, they lock the doors here at the school and you can't get in. <laughs> They're only supposed to lock them at 11 just for security purposes, but hopefully we'll make sure they get that squared away. Faith is being certain of something you cannot see. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. This comes from the Bible, by the way. The goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls. With faith, we can cross over from death to life because we are saved by grace through faith, right? 
We put our hope and our faith in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. By faith, we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Back to number one, faith in being certain of something you cannot see. We didn't see it. We weren't there to witness it. But it says, blessed are those who believe who have not seen. We have faith that Christ did what he said he did. And he is going to continue to do what he says he's going to do in our life. And we have faith to believe that. Last week, I talked about Romans chapter 5. It says we have been declared righteous by faith. Brian kind of touched on that. We've also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Without faith, it said, or with faith, it's possible to endure this life and all the trials and tribulations that we walk through. If you heard last week, it says, remember, we're supposed to rejoice in our afflictions. Anybody good at that? Are you good at rejoicing in your affliction? Are you like, man, this is awesome. I can't believe I'm better with suffering right now. Yes, Lord, bring it on. But if you walk by faith long enough, you know that even in the midst of the affliction, that God is working out something. And Brian touched on that verse, and in Romans 5, it talks about producing perseverance and character and hope. And so if you're going through it, even right now, know that you're going to get through it. And you get through it by faith. There's a blessing in, in having faith in God now for today. And also, and obviously, faith makes a difference, makes all the difference in eternity. Saturday, I'll be doing a funeral for a 90-year-old precious lady. And her son is here today. And she was a person of faith. She put her hope in Jesus. She put her hope in that, hope in eternity that comes by putting our hope in him. Well, so I was thinking about the story of someone who went through some trials and temptations, and we don't have enough time to read the whole thing, so we're going to breeze through the story of Joseph. All right, so tell me what you know um, about the story of Joseph, and the, kind of the theme of this is victory in the long run. Victory in the long run. Brian experienced victory. He didn't even get a chance to share about how his stepdad came to faith in Jesus recently, and he was a man that you wouldn't even imagine that could possibly even happen. So you can ask him about that story. Um, he probably probably was going to share about that, but he ran out of time. But victory in the long run, and we know, that obviously, for a person, people of faith, that the victory in the long run is eternity with him. We're going to be in the presence of God someday, so we can make it through this stuff that we're going through today. We're going to make it into his presence. That's our hope. So victory in the long run. So tell me what you know about the story of Joseph. I know, you know, we're, we're all kind of spread out, but just shout out. What do you know about the story of Joseph? Huh? No, that's Jonah, all right? <laughs> Joseph was not swallowed by... He got... He, actually, you know what? He got thrown into a pit, into a well. So it's kind of the same thing. It's not a whale, but a well. All right. What else? Coat of many colors. I used to have these little books when I was a little kid that had all the stories in color. Man, they were awesome. And that's what formed my theology as a young man, just seeing these stories and reading about what happened. So he had a coat of many colors, but that coat of many colors got him into trouble. Why? Brothers got jealous. Huh? He was a braggart. His brothers got jealous. You know he was a tattletale? Kids, listen up. Look at me right now, kids. All right. It's not okay to be a tattletale if you're just trying to get your brother or sister in trouble, all right? If you're trying to get the focus off of you onto your brother or sister, that's not okay. But if somebody is hurt... Or somebody is going to hurt someone else and there's danger involved, it's okay to tell. I'm just giving you freedom right now. It's okay to let somebody else know, like, hey, this is a dangerous 
situation, that's okay to let your... But if you're just trying to get your sibling in trouble, don't do that. All right, what else? He was a slave. He was an interpreter of dreams. What? He was sold into slavery by his brothers. That's some love right there. You know, they did demonstrate a little bit of grace. They could have just killed him. They wanted to, if you see in the story. But they did, uh, they did set him free. What else? Huh? He was second in command of the kingdom. He was exalted to a high place because he was a faithful person. All right, what else? Not a single negative word about him in Scripture. I mean, it came out of his brother's mouths. <laughs> they did not like him. Let's see what happens in his dreams now because we'll, we'll take care of him. All right, and then in the end, like, just get to the end of his story. What did he do? You remember? He, yeah, he saved his family. He demonstrated grace to them in a very profound way, which actually then it leads us to you and me. It's, it's a victory in the long run. Like his, that particular circumstance brings hope and faith to us today. So, what? And his bones were carried back. So real quick, let's just Genesis chapter 37. All right, we're just going to breeze through a couple of points here as we, as we get through this time. Genesis chapter 37 is where it starts. It said that he had brought a bad report of his brothers to his father. All right, that was the tattletale part. One of his brothers, Judah, said to the other ones, this is in verse uh, 26, he says, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he's our brother in our own flesh. At least there's a little bit of grace there, a little bit of love and mercy. Let's just go ahead and sell him into slavery. It seems like a better idea than killing him. Verse 36 says, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. Now, if you want to see some unhealthy stuff going on in a family, just read chapter 38. Got some homework for you. Do that later on, some good, good reading time. Probably shouldn't read it to your children, or maybe you should try to explain it to them, depending on how old your kids are. Chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt... And an Egyptian named Potiphar, an, or, yeah, Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, and the captain of the guards brought him to the Ishmael, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him there. Verse three: When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became a personal attendant. Then you go on down just a little while, little ways where Joseph was tempted put into a difficult situation with Potiphar's wife. But in verse 8 of chapter 39, it says, but he refused. There was the temptation there, but he refused. And he said, how could I do this? Going on down to the, uh, verse 9. So how could I do this immense evil? And how could I sin against God? Well, he was falsely accused. He was thrown into prison. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. I love, I love this phrase, but the Lord. But the Lord. All right, so wherever it is you're at, whatever it is you're going through, but the Lord. But the Lord is with you. Brian said it. But the Lord sees you. The Lord hears you. And, and I know you're like, well, Brady, but you don't understand. You don't know what it is that I'm going through. You're right, I might not know. I know what it is that I've gone through, some personal struggles in my own life. But the Lord was always there with me because he's faithful 
like that. He's, he's not faithful based on our faithfulness. He's requiring us to be faithful first. Praise God. But the Lord. So turn over. The end of chapter 39. It says that the Lord, the warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with them and the Lord made everything he did successful. He's continued to be successful because, for one, I think it's because he was a hard worker. You know, he wasn't a complainer. He was still trying to walk in faith. Listen to this little illustration that I have in my Bible. It says, like a cork, which you may push down, but is sure to come up again, so is Joseph. He must swim. He could not drown, for the Lord was with him. The Lord's presence made him a king and a priest wherever he went. And men tactily... Passive? I don't even know that word. Acknowledge his influence. Because the Lord was with him wherever he went. All right, move on over. Move on over to the end of chapter 40, verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So, a little bit of background. Joseph's in prison. He runs into these two guys, a cupbearer and a baker. He interprets their dreams for them. Uh, one one ends up, they both get out, one ends up dying, one ends up living, and they just forgot all about him. You know, can you, you think there was ever a time where Joseph asked, why? Why is this going on? Like, I have been faithful, I've been doing all these things, and these things keep happening to me, and he said they forgot all about him. Chapter 41, verse 16. Because of this scenario, he has the opportunity to, to go before Pharaoh to interpret a dream. And he says, I am not able to, Joseph answered Pharaoh. It is God who will give Pharaoh a uh, favorable answer. So he realized it wasn't his own power that was in, so it was God working through him. Look at verse 37, chapter 41. Joseph um, gives him some, uh, some advice on what to do with the famine that's coming to the land. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And he said to him, can we find anyone like this man who has God's spirit in him? So it was God in him and working through him. It wasn't in his own flesh, in his own ability. Listen, as a pastor, and I have a pastor friend here today. As a pastor, you know, there's a lot of times where we, we kind of do a lot of things in our own strength. Like we get kind of confident. We kind of start to believe that we can do this on our own. And that's when trouble starts to come. And we realize that we cannot do it on our own. That it has to be God in us working, uh, working through us. And so can we find anyone like this man who has God's spirit in him? Well, let's jump really, really forward because just for time's sake. Joseph gets put in this place of authority again because God was with him. He has the opportunity to, to save lives and he gets a chance to save his own brother's lives. Verse 45, and this is a great story, by the way. So start in 37, just kind of read through to, to chapter 50, and you'll see some incredible stuff happening here. Joseph had the opportunity to have his brother stand before him. Can you imagine what he felt like at that particular time? Like for the first time in all these years, these brothers who hated him, who sold him into slavery, who forgot completely all about him, but I'm guessing they probably didn't. I'm pretty sure they thought about Joseph a lot. Like, what have we done 
And then it says, chapter 45, verse 4, that Joseph said to his brothers, and I put off to the side of my Bible the word grace with an exclamation point. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. And they came near. He says, I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a greater by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a, fa- a father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and rule over all the land of the Egypt. It was God who, who sent me here. Even in the midst of this incredible circumstance and these stories, we could figure, we could ask the question why. Joseph is able to say, by faith, I believe, that it was God who made this happen. Like, this difficult thing has produced hope, just like God's word says. And then one more time, at the end of the, the book, in chapter 50. Starting in verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, "Uh uh-oh, dad's gone. Now we're going to see Joseph's real side. We're going to see the side that we've been expecting to come all along. We're going to see Joseph get angry. He's going to get, he's going to retaliate now because because dad's out of the picture. So look at verse 19, chapter 15. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Is that my right to judge? You plan evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them. Spoke kindly. Joseph's story can teach us a lot, obviously. Joseph's story can teach us that you can't put your hope and faith solely in your family. Hear me out on that. Family, they're people, they're humans. And if we're putting all of our faith and hope in this person, my hope is only in my wife, or her hope is only in me, and not in the Lord, sure to be disappointed. Sure to be disappointed. You can't always trust your friends. True? Uh, he thought he had a couple of friends and they forgot all about him. When they got out, when they were free, they forgot all about Joseph still in prison. You definitely can't trust Potiphar's wife. <laughs> and you're thinking, well, that's not going to be an issue. But I'm talking about people with impure motives. When you realize they've come into your life and they, they're takers instead of givers, and their motives are impure, can't trust them. Hard work and dedication, no matter what the task, pays off. You ever heard the phrase, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God? You think that was Joseph's model for life? I think so. God blessed him. So no matter what it is that you're doing, whether you're ministering to people in prison, or you're in jail yourself, and you just found yourself there, and God's using you there, whatever it is, you can do it for the glory of God. 
My guess is that you've never been sold into slavery by your family. But you've been, have you been betrayed by your family? Betrayed by someone in your circle of influence and your people that you've grown to trust? I mean, Brian walked through it. Joseph had his fair share of affliction, obviously. And I mentioned this earlier. Do you ever think he asked God why? I mean, we put Joseph in this beautiful light. But do you think there was a time where Joseph was like, what is going on? Like in the pit? Why? Okay, maybe I shouldn't have tattled on my brothers. Maybe I shouldn't have made a big deal about the coat. I mean, it was beautiful, but maybe I made a big deal about it. But it does also appear, as we look into the story, that his affliction did produce endurance. Endurance produced proven character. And proven character produced hope. Not only hope for him, but hope for his brothers, and hope for his people, the people of Egypt. No matter what happened to Joseph, he was always, listen to this, he was always available. Therefore, I believe it's in that place of being available that God made him able to bless others. Hear that today. God made him able because he was available. So, what adjustments do you need to make in your life as it is today, where you're at right now in your life? What adjustments do you need to make today to make yourself available? Because I think if you first do that, then you'll realize how God is able to work through you no matter what the circumstance is. But are you available to him? Is there room and space in your schedule and in your circumstance? And if the answer is yes, if you are available, I would say pray. And ask the Lord, God, what, what can you do through me in this particular circumstance to bless other people? Even if it's something really, really difficult, how can you use that for the greater good? When we walk by faith, there is victory in the long run. When we walk by faith, I believe it inspires and encourages others around us. You think that's true? Now listen, I'm not talking about Fake faith. I'm not talking about putting on a good front so that other people can see and think that you are a person of faith. But I'm talking about true, authentic faith in the hardest times and in the greater times. You, it's got to be real faith. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to quote a Bible verse for every scenario that you come in contact with so that other people think you're holy. You just have to be real. And you have to be present in the moment and being available for him. When we are truly trusting in God, it takes our focus off of ourselves. It takes our focus off what we have and what we don't have. And then, just like Joseph, I love how the story ends. He said, don't, don't be afraid. God, God sent me here ahead of you. He sent me ahead of you to, to, to demonstrate grace to you in a very profound way. And I believe... That as we walk by faith, 
no matter what it is that we're walking through, he allows us and gives us the ability to administer grace to others in our life. I think that's what it means to be a person of faith. We've received it, and then we give it out. That's what you do when you walk out of this place. Don't forget, we gather to scatter. And we are agents of his grace. Someone said, you've been through a lot. You've gone through this difficult time. Aren't you angry at God? I said, no, God sent me here for a reason. So that I can administer grace to you. In only ways that they can understand. The worship team's going to come. we got one more song. It's a classic hymn. You love hymns. And we're going to worship together. And so... There's always a crunch for time, and there's always a sense of, well, I guess it's over, it's time to get ready to leave. But hey, let's just do this. If you're here this morning, and you're like, I'm struggling in my faith, I'm having a, I'm having a difficult time because of my circumstance, then I would encourage you to bring, uh, bring that forward with you. And, and just pray about it. Pray and offer whatever it is. To, to the Lord. And maybe you just need to come forward and say, God, I haven't been available. I've been so distracted. I've been so busy. I've been so other things that have been going on in my heart that I, I haven't been available to you. God, I want to make myself available to you today. Will you make me able to walk by faith and administer grace to other people? All right. Does that make sense? Okay. Listen, that's, that's up to you. That's your time to respond. I did my part. Now it's time for you to do your part. And if you need prayer for something specific, my wife's here, other people that are prayer warriors that are here and they can pray with you, um, you just ask and we'll pray. All right? God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you give us plenty of reasons, plenty of evidence to put our faith and trust in you. Thank you, like Ryan said, you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. Never give up. You never fail to complete a project. So God, help us to believe in that faith, to trust in you like these precious little kids who are willing to just fall back and allow you to catch us in your arms. Are we available to do that today? I pray that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and worship.